You're listening to the Psychedelic Invest Podcast, where we speak with founders, CEOs, investors, advisors, experts, and thought leaders in the brave new world of psychedelics and entheogenic medicines. Brought to you by Psychedelic Invest. Bringing you unparalleled psychedelic investing data and analysis. Psychedelic Invest is the industry's leading resource for those looking to invest in the burgeoning psychedelic industry. For more information and to access all of the podcast episodes, check out our website at psychedelicinvest.com slash podcast. And now here's the host of the Psychedelic Invest podcast, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome, everyone. This is the Psychedelic Invest podcast. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. Our guest today is Robbie Bent. He is CEO and co-founder at Othership. He's also a general partner at Vine Ventures. We're going to talk to him about the world of psychedelics. We're going to talk to him about the space he's creating, the space he's working with in Toronto, and really creating a community and a space and a platform really for health and healing, for connection. I think it's a great path that Robbie's been on, a great story, really doing some great work and creating some not only you know funding and creating some great opportunities in terms of the world of psychedelics, but really in the world of space and community and connection and really kind of a holistic view and a holistic picture and a, and a great story. Excited to have this conversation with that. Robbie, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bruce. Uh, super grateful to be here and I uh, appreciate you having me on to share my story. What am I excited about? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. Before we dive into Othership and Vine Ventures and what's kind of going on today, Let's get the backstory. Like, how did you get into psychedelics? How did you get into this space? Professional background. Give us the journey. Yeah, so it's a long, long journey. So feel <laughs> free to uh, interrupt me at any That's time fine. and double click on anything interesting. But like many who come to psychedelics, uh, can often, well, first recreationally in, in high school, but therapeutically uh, to deal with, you know, kind of a valley or or low points in life yeah. uh, when it was needed, and so. You know, I, I went to business school. I always wanted to be successful. I saw uh, my role models were kind of, you know, the, the businessman archetype where you make a lot of money, you have oh, nice yeah. things, and like, you know, <laughs> girls like you, you can afford a nice car, an apartment, and clothes, and all this stuff. And I, I think I had a, a lack of self confidence from high school on this idea that, like, oh, I needed to be uh, liked to be worthy, and, and my yeah. value came from others and like kind of what I have. And, and that drove a lot of how I thought about myself. And so, you know, went into business school, went into investment banking, heard like, oh, that's how you get rich fast. That's what smart yep. kids do. So worked super fucking hard for, you know, three, four years, 80 hours a week and just kind of got burnt out, was unhealthy, not going to the gym, no healthy food. Just kind of like, what am I, why am I doing this? And so that was first transition point, quit finance and then thought, oh, well, you know what? I, I still, all these drivers are still there. I still want to, you know, be successful. And so I'm going to, I'm going to build a startup. Like that's, the thing that smart kids do and that's how you make money fast and it was completely completely wrong but living in toronto was able to raise money surprisingly and and we built a global telecom platform that allowed you to access any carrier when you traveled so it's like imagine you have your you know at&t sim card and you travel to europe and you can use a local sim and so at the time roaming was super expensive so raised a bunch of money grew to 100 employees you know everything was going well yep. and uh, about two years in, roaming prices started to decline. I personally made a ton of mistakes. I didn't really know what I was doing at the time. I didn't have a strong 
network of, of mentors and uh, the business failed and over two years it was extremely challenging you know sort of yeah. letting go of people wondering like if we're going to fail begging for for more money to keep things going moving stuff from one data center to another to keep it going and always kind of this this like just deep belly fear yeah. uh, around yeah. like oh what am i going to do you know am i safe am i safe mm -hmm. and, and it turns out as I said before, like having nice things, it was, and what do people think about me was such a driver. And so that was my first really big failure. And so after two, you know, after four years in, in that role at that company, we, we wound it down, had to fire everyone, lost all the money, had to sell my car, oh, move out geez, of my apartment, yeah. move back in with my, my parents. And so that sort of set the stage for looking for transformation. This is around 28, you know, um, struggling with like feelings of self-worth looking at my friends who were, were successful and that was mm -hmm. all I wanted to be. And then uh, at the same time, I, I was struggling with uh, drug use, alcohol yeah. and, and uh, cocaine use. And so, mm -hmm. you know, weekends to deal with the stress, I would almost like disappear on a Friday night. And so I was kind of living in my parents' basement and just had this moment like this isn't how I expected my life uh, to turn out. And that kind of is where the, the transformation journey uh, began. Yeah, not an uncommon story of kind of the pressure and know, self-medicating in all sorts of ways. What was the turning point? I mean, what was the the moment that you decided, hey, I need to try something else? And maybe what was the opportunity that got presented to you? Like, what, how did that actually happen for you? So it happened slowly. And for people listening, it's like, transformation doesn't have to happen in a single moment. And even now mm -hmm. I'm, I'm 37. So it's been it's been nine, nine years or so on, on this journey and, and like two steps forward, one step back. And that's totally okay. And so at first, you know, I was like, hey, I need to stop doing drugs, you know? And that was kind of the main thing is like, I'm feeling shitty two days of the week. You know, this isn't, this isn't serving me and I'm like doing bad things. And so uh, I was like, okay, well, how am I going to do that? So I started listening to, you know, Tim Ferriss podcast, using Headspace, mm -hmm. hearing about this morning routine. And I thought if I can master my morning, I can master my, my life. That was the kind of the first, like, oh, if I can just grab onto this, like things will be okay. At least if I can master my morning. And so yeah. I started doing that and then realized, Hey, I should, you know, move somewhere else. And I got the opportunity to go to Israel and just thought, okay, if I, if I move somewhere else, I can start over. So, you know, again, if you're listening, it doesn't have to happen all at once, but sometimes if you're stuck in a rut, it's just like change everything, do something drastic and, and start fresh and it, and it makes it easier. And so I went to Israel by myself. I'm not Jewish. I don't speak Hebrew. I had an opportunity there. Uh, so I went over there to look at like buying a business with one of our investors and, and just to, to kind of live there. And while I was there, uh, casually a friend had told me about Vipassana 10 day meditation retreats and yeah. uh, didn't have the money to travel home over the Christmas break. And so I just stayed there and I was like, Oh, you know, I don't know anyone here. This is a perfect time. And so I did my first 10 day retreat and I'd always been interested in, in meditation since high school, interested in like consciousness expansion and, and how our minds work. But this was the first time where I went beyond, you know, 10, 20, 30 minutes here and there to like <laughs> yeah, to, real, to, to really tough to, to feel like, Hey, this is what meditation feels like. There's, yeah. there's something here where there's, there's, there's real feedback, you know, we're three days in five days in seven days. in. for people listening of a Vipassana meditation retreat is, you know, 10 days in silence with about 10 hours of meditation where you're, you're focusing on your breath and, and body scanning and extremely powerful. And so a lot of the things I'm telling you now, like I wasn't even aware, you know, it was just it, a lot of my friends acted the same way. And it was like, this is normal life. You know, you work, you try to make money, you go out, you have fun, you meet girls, you, you buy things like this is kind of life. And so it wasn't until I started deeply meditating that I started to realize, okay, like 
you're trying to fill this need for, for validation. There's not a lot of self-love here. What if you loved yourself more? And so that kind of started things. But, but even then, still had trouble with the sobriety. And so it was after that when I was like, okay, I'm more aware of these feelings, but like still having trouble mastering them. And mm-hmm. this is why I said, don't be hard on yourself because it just takes time. Like changing yeah. patterns you picked up when you're a kid, it can take decades. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So I uh, learned about ayahuasca, did a deep dive research. And, and this is before, you know, Michael Pollan's book and mm-hmm. before people are talking about it on podcasts. And so it was pretty uncommon. And so before like Retreat Guru and, and Rhythmia and all these, these places. And so found a place in Peru that a friend had told me about and went down there for uh, an ayahuasca retreat. And so I ended up doing pretty gnarly also, like deep into the jungle, like kayak. <laughs> yeah. You know, you kind of take a kayak into the Amazon. There's like these huts on stilts that are fully netted against mosquitoes and kind of thinking like, whoa, yeah. this, is, this is this is pretty hardcore. Yeah. yeah, right? Because, I mean, you are you know, I've never done anything like that before. I tried psychedelics recreationally, but never done anything like this with the intent to to like, okay, I'm, I'm going to quit using drugs. You know, I want to yeah. heal. I want to find, I want to find real, yeah. real self-love. And so I went out there and I did four sessions and that really changed everything for me. You know, I actually have never used any alcohol or stimulants since then. So it'll be, you know, six, six, seven years now. Yeah. And right after that, you know, things totally, totally changed. And so I, I came back, moved home, I met my wife uh, who really helped me stay healthy. Mm-hmm. And shortly after got involved in the Ethereum ecosystem and crypto, which exploded. And, you know, I all of a sudden went from feeling I'm like this tech failure to living in San Francisco <laughs> and having this big team working on this really exciting project. I'm sober, I'm meditating every day. I'm using psychedelic medicines quarterly. You know, yeah. I've got, I've got this beautiful wife who's supporting me and I just, my whole life turned around and, you know, not to say it's, you know, if you meditate and use psychedelics, you're <laughs> exactly. like, you're, do, do your life will change, but it, it just, great. <laughs> you know, the way, the way I look at it is the, these things help you change habits and that's, what's most powerful about them is is over time you're able to repattern behaviors and create behavioral change with the right system and it really really worked for me and so yeah. it led me to a point where i was evangelizing like hey if you're meditating daily like trying to teach my team teaching my friends writing these super long boring articles about like my experiences that i'm trying to get people to read and you know sending people on psychedelic medicine retreats and and, and evangelizing and i just didn't see the results work in the same way that they, they did for me. What I noticed was, was meditation is really difficult because the feedback is is quite slow. And so you could meditate for, for three months every day and still be like, I don't know if, you know, this is really changing behavior. It almost takes a 10-day Vipassana retreat, which if you, if you think about it, it's actually two years of like daily calmer headspace and, and 10 days. And so it's kind of a skill in that way where, you know, you don't pick up a guitar and play a song. You need to practice and meditation can be the same. And so I saw a lot of friends kind of give up. And then with psychedelics, which I think a lot of your listeners will agree with, you know, there's this idea that, oh, I take this thing, I have this feeling and I'm changed. And perhaps for a few days, a couple of weeks, but as you go back into your environment, the changes fade and it becomes oh, yeah. very difficult to maintain the habits. And that, that's a big problem is because a lot of the research is around mental dysregulation. So, you know, depression, post-traumatic stress can really happen with these things. But but for the average person uh, who's not in that situation, you know, the psychedelic, the tra- these transformations, they don't last. And so I saw this happening time and time again. And there's not really research around long-term effects in the same way for, for like 
quote unquote healthy people. Mm-hmm. And so many of my friends, you know, especially friends who dealt with addiction, because that's they'd be asking me like, hey, how'd you quit drugs and alcohol, which I'm, I'm really actually like super passionate about discussing. Yeah. And, you know, they'd go on these retreats and six weeks later, it's like, fuck, I'm doing drugs again. Yeah. And, and so I just kind of was like, oh man, I'm, I'm getting a bit depressed because the stuff that's worked for me is not working for others. And so that was like another transitionary point was like kind of, you know, feeling really good about my own life, trying to help others, but but not working. So I'll stop there for a minute and see if there's any any questions on that. Well, it, you know, the, the one that comes to mind or the one that I'm kind of most curious about is I think it's clearly you're highly educated at this point about, you know, how these kind of how the how they work, what the therapeutic models are and stuff. But I'm curious at the time when you actually went through the experience, like, I guess, how aware were you that you you were changed or that you were kind of in this new kind of pattern or you or you you were um, had the opportunity to establish new patterns? What was it like the, you know, the days, weeks after this ayahuasca ceremony, you know, deep in the jungle? Like what like what did it feel like then? What, what, did it, what was the what was the experience like for you? I think the change is pretty much instant and keeping in mind, there's a huge difference between I'm at home. I've taken a day off. I went and did a guided MDMA therapy session or a guided Mm -hmm. psilocybin journey on that single day. And then I I start my life day after. Right. And, And like, you know, for people who don't know what an ayahuasca journey it entails, it's to do it properly. It's a few weeks of prep a particular diet when you mm-hmm. get there, you know, no sugars and salts and, and uh, pork and a few other items at, intro, at a good center, an intro call and even like psychotherapy around it. So like, what is your intention? What do you want to change? So I had very clear things that I wanted to dig into, uh, certain feelings that I wanted to cultivate more of and certain feelings and habits I wanted to let go of. And then when you go, it's, you know, it was, it was a two week journey with, with four ayahuasca sessions, a 5-MEO session, a San Pedro session. Oh, wow. And then post uh, the week in the jungle was another week in Machu Picchu. And so, you know, in addition to all these psychedelics, you're out in the sunshine, you're eating like extremely clean food, you are in getting a ton of nature exposure. And so when I came back from that, like that is what, and I'm not on my cell phone. And so, (laughs) you know, if you're expecting to do three ketamine treatments virtually on Zoom for a couple hours over three weeks and get the same results, like you you probably won't. And so if you're thinking about, hey, I want to make change, like, you know, the the work beforehand, and you hear this all the time, and so it might be boring, but, you know, I've done a ton of recreational psychedelics. I've done psychedelics where I'm busy and just have like that one day. And, And the times when it's been most impactful is when I put in the work, determine what I want up front, take time out of society, whether it's in nature or off my phone, use the psychedelic medicines and then talk to somebody after about what happened. But when you do that and, and you know, you don't have to plan any of this yourself. You can just book at a, at a five-star retreat and they'll yeah. take care of all this and, and walk you through it. And then, you know, when I got back, it was immediate. Like I felt on fire. There was no craving to drink. I could be, mm-hmm. you know, I just didn't feel like doing that kind of stuff. I felt like being healthy. I felt good. It just felt like sometimes when you're stuck in habits, you don't have the energy to make the change. Mm-hmm. It just feels like, oh, I'm going to, you know, go on Twitter. Or I'm going to order that Uber Eats or, you know, I'm going to smoke that cigarette, wh- whatever it is. There's just an enormous amount of dopamine inducing difficult habits. I'm going to watch those 10 Netflix shows. And it just feels like I just feel like doing this and I can't, I can't change. And so there is an option by, by, you know, almost repatterning our neurotransmitter response we can change. We can really change our behavior. And so when I came back, it felt like I had about six weeks to three months where 
I could do whatever I wanted. It felt like Superman in that way, where if I was like, okay, I'm going to meditate for 30 minutes in the morning, it just felt a lot, like there was a lot less friction. I felt yeah. more myself. So, yeah. And, and yeah, it was, it was instant. Yeah. And do you think this is, I mean, I guess, is it possible to have this kind of transformation without the actual psychedelics? Like, I mean, you mentioned a lot of things around context and the prep work and the diet and the environment and the connections. And I guess how much of this is kind of everything around it and how much of it is the actual psychedelic. And if you didn't do the psychedelic, would you have a significant or majority of the benefit or not? What's your take at this point? So this is like, you know, again, personal take from just, yeah. I've probably used psychedelics over a hundred times over like a seven year period. And, you know, I've worked with thousands of, of people and kind of watch, but it's not, this isn't like a peer reviewed study or anything. But so my, my gut says, and, and I've also done a ton of transformational work, like, mm -hmm. you know, landmark form and a lot of these leadership things. And so you can see transformations without psychedelics, right? So yeah. if you think about like Tony Robbins, Hoffman Institute, these are like powerful short-term transformational experiences that are guiding you to experience your emotions that do lead to change. And then on the flip side, you could take psychedelics and not see change. And I have tons yeah. of friends who just use psychedelics recreationally, which is cool too. You know, maybe you're using psilocybin on a nature journey to enjoy the hike and, you know, you continue and you do that weekly or whatever it is, but you don't change. And so I've seen, seen both work. And what I've come to believe is that the combination of the two is what works most effectively. And so I, I look at psychedelics as a change agent, increasing neuroplasticity, allowing for new behaviors, allowing to change old patterns in a way that's more easily done. And so if I'm like, okay, I really want to maximize my change, maybe I take some type of growth course like a Tony Robbins, but beforehand, you know, I, I have a psychedelic experience where I think yeah. about what I want to get out of the situation, or maybe mm -hmm. I'm doing some type of like intense emotional therapy. But I think com combining these like, experiences where you're diving deep into your emotions and awareness, whether it's like journaling or Landmark or Tony Robbins or Hoffman with psychedelics before, it's extremely powerful. And that, that's kind of what I'm recommending to, to friends now. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that kind of combination of, of experience and psychedelics are kind of things that will kind of enhance neuroplasticity for a period of time so that you can fully kind of immerse or absorb the, the work that you're doing. One, one interesting uh, just point on that is, you know, I've even was doing some work with an amazing counselor. She has a website called Personal Development School. Her name's Tice Gibson. And we, we were doing weekly work and I would do the sessions and then do small dose of mushrooms after, you know, like one gram, something like that. And yep. the those doses were so powerful emotionally. And I think it was yeah. just because I was going deep beforehand. So we would go into like, you know, shadow work and these experiences of guilt and shame from being a child and like yeah. really, really digging deep. And then when I would take one gram of psilocybin, which normally doesn't affect me too much. Yep. And I would be, you know, like crying and like feeling yeah. like very emotional. And so that from a personal standpoint, combining the work with the medicines, I think kind of takes it to another level. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about what you're doing today. So we mentioned other ship, we mentioned Vine Ventures. Like it, it, how has this kind of played out for you in terms of, you know, the professional work in terms of your ventures, you know, things that you're looking to do impact you're looking to make on the world. Walk us through the various activities you've got going on. Yeah. So that was a really long backstory. So, so sorry for that. I, <laughs> it's fun. Uh, but um, I wanted to set the, the stage for, okay, I'm in this space now where, you know, my life is going well. I, I've changed a lot of habits, but it's not really working for others. How, I'm really curious as to why that is. And so was always going to bathhouses uh, to stay sober. And mm -hmm. so bathhouses, you know, a giant sauna, cold plunges, generally a tea room. 
And, you know, you see them in, in all over Europe and like every culture, they, they have some form of like hot and cold. And so was loving that would go on Friday and Saturday night and wouldn't be around alcohol and it would tire me out and then I'd fall asleep. And it was like such a good way as a former addict to break that pattern post. So if you're listening and struggling with addiction and, and use plant medicines and are coming back, the bathhouse is like your friend for a social yeah. experience. And so every time we'd go, like 30 people would show up. We'd have like WhatsApp chats and they're like, whoa, what, what the hell? Like, this is fucking cool. And got really into the hot and cold. I, I did a bunch of research on Wim Hof, read all the papers from Rhonda Patrick and learned that this is actually the number one thing you can do for longevity, which, which surprised me. There's a researcher David Sinclair, and you know, he's saying like, hey, hot and cold contrast therapy is something we've done since the beginning of time outside of fasting. Uh, it's, a, it's the best thing you can do for, for your health and, and lifespan. And so I thought that was really cool. And so we built an ice bath and just put it in my backyard. Mm-hmm. And every night we had neighbors over, me and five of my best friends, uh, my, my wife and uh, another couple and another friend of ours. And we would just go into gyms and restaurants and you know, in the neighborhoods, hey, come for an ice bath. And that grew to hundreds of people uh, in a WhatsApp chat where every night there'd be an ice bath and a, and a fire in this backyard on a residential street. And we live in Toronto, so it started getting yeah. cold. So we built out a, you know, kind of like a mini, mini little bathhouse in our garage just mm-hmm. for friends. And so it had a sauna, ice bath and a tea room. And, you know, prior to COVID, every night people would come and we would do these awesome classes together where we'd get like seven or eight people in the sauna and turn off the lights and have group share and be like, wow, this is crazy. So that grew to 2000 people on this like little tiny residential street coming into this garage, getting like 40, 50 people a day, which was super, super cool through that found like, wow, this stuff is working and it's working for everyone. And so some special stuff we do with, you know, these peak experiences. So getting really hot, getting cold, using your breath we use those to inspire this feeling of like awe and we do it in a community. So there's belonging. And then with our language, we never really talk about like spirituality or spirits, you know, Mm -hmm. things that some people that really turns them off. So we're very agnostic and that we just say like, Hey, you know, here's the science of what's happening in the body. This experience is like going to be fun. The music is awesome. And we talk a lot about emotion and we do it in a group. So we really help people to like dig into their emotions and share them because everybody understands anger a time you were embarrassed, a time you felt fear, you know, a time you felt compassion and gratitude. And so we've geared all these amazing peak experiences um, around feeling emotion in community. And we found that that combination hadn't really been done before. And so it was just really exciting. People resonated. They felt like, hey, I belong to something. And so at that point, we decided to quit my job in the crypto ecosystem and my wife and I and our, our three partners started this full time. And so it's, it's, it's evolved uh, quite a bit. And so where it started as, you know, an ice bath in a backyard, we just opened our first flagship location in Toronto, which is a 50 person sauna, four ice baths and a, a tea room. And so sometimes you'll have classes, like I mentioned. So an amazing class is like a warrior class where you come in in the sauna, it's completely dark super hot there's essential oils on the stove and you're you know there's a drum and it's boom 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 and you're you're feeling into your personal power and you're you're yelling like ha ha you know everyone's doing it together connecting and then you'll kind of just the music will slow down you'll look at your partner and you'll share a time that made you feel powerful and then everybody will go from that space into the ice bath and they'll do a partner ice bath again like maybe doing an eye gaze and sharing a time that they like conquered a fear, which the ice bath is scary. And then everyone comes in the tea room and shares their experience. And so for the first time you're having these like resilience 
training sessions, but in a community socially. And so that's opened uh, as of last weekend. We're super pumped about that. It's a, so there's there's classes and there's also social. So at night it's open, you know, 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. and it kind of operates like a bar, except there's no alcohol. It's just like a cool place to hang out. And in that space, we're teaching people about regulating their emotions. So like, hey, it's okay to feel fear and to feel like not empowered and to feel anger and to release those things. And then on the flip side, um, which I'll just quickly explain the last part of our business and then we can, we can dive in. Yeah. We have a, a breathwork app and how that started, we were doing breathwork primarily Wim Hof style for people in the space around the hot and cold. And during COVID, we had to shut down. And so we started just doing deep dive breathwork sessions on Zoom Mm-hmm. Every week, you know, and 20 people and 40 people and 100 people would join and 200 people are joining and people started using, you know, asking for recordings. So we put the recordings on YouTube and they're saying like, hey, you know, can you make one for guilt? Can you make one for fear? You know, this is like, can you make one for a coffee replacement? And so every day we just made new content. Our partner, one of our partners is an amazing like artist and musician. And so we scripted all these different like kind of breathwork meditation hypnosis style classes and and just put them out uh, on a course platform and then recently maybe a couple months ago people were asking for an app to make it easier so we kind of just dug deep our entire team learned different parts of building an app uh, we raised funding and we we've built an app which we launched and the idea is to make it super easy to control your nervous system state in under 10 minutes so you know if you need yeah. energy you can you can turn on your nervous system we call it turning up and so that might be to replace a coffee, to like fight procrastination, to find, you know, inspiration for something creative to improve productivity, or you can turn your nervous system down. And that Mm -hmm. might be, you know, after work to move from like looking at Zoom all day to relaxing with your family, to, to feel more love, to reduce anxiety, to prepare for sleep. And so the idea was like, hey, where meditation is hard, this is much more accessible because you're, you're physiologically changing the body, you're changing through your breath, your circulation, your immune system, your digestion, your nervous system state, your emotion, and you're doing it to music. And so we just found through testing that people really resonated and were able to access and use these breathworks where they had failed to meditate. And so all from like an ice bath in our backyard over the past two and a half years, we've evolved to this system where you have a space you can go to with your friends post psychedelic retreat, and you can spend you know, every night there in a healthy way, a space where you can share with people or you can dive into emotions and then an app where you can continue your experience at home. And that's where we are now. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. I've been playing around with the app and it's, I like this, this whole idea of, you know, using these sort of activities, these processes to self-regulate your nervous system and your kind of physiological response to things. It's huge. Cause I think that, I mean, I think so many people feel you know, kind of a victim of their nervous system or, or, or the things that are happening to them, they kind of can't control. And this begins to actually give you some tools to, to actually regulate, right? Be able to say, okay, look, what do I want to do? Yeah, I want to, I want to increase energy, you know, for the morning, because I want to, you know, engage in activities, or yeah, it's the end of the day, I need to wind down, or I need to become more present, or I need to focus, you know, it gives you a, a real interesting set of tools. I guess, how do you see this playing out? I mean, I, you know, obviously, psychedelics are still, you know, kind of in this nascent phase of, you know, an industry, we're working through kind of legalization and, and developing new compounds and things like, what's your vision for how the tools, the experiences, the spaces that you're creating fit into, you know, how the psychedelics are, are being developed? So they really are solving a need that I had. And, and so for one, it's, okay, I can't get my friends 
into psychedelic medicines, right? They're illegal, they're stigma, they're scary. It's a big difference between hearing like, oh, I went and did this ayahuasca journey and, and signing up and going as your first step. So the first problem is how do you mainstream these compounds? And it's by through awareness and community. And so we're creating a space where people can come and many people in our community, you know, out of thousands had no psychedelic experience. They came and had their first ice bath and felt like, wow, I'm present. For the first time, my thoughts have stopped. I feel relief. I feel clear. I'm not thinking about my phone. Like what is happening? This is crazy. Then they would do a sauna class and like, oh, wow, this is what it feels like to release anger and scream. And then they would say, you know, okay, what's next? And they would do breath work. And then in a breath work session, you know, a 30 minute to one hour session, you're actually slowing the oxygen delivery uh, to the prefrontal cortex. You're shutting down the part of your mind that controls your thought. That's like, oh, does this person like me? You know, yeah, worried about exactly. work, all yeah. these thoughts. So you're, you're physically shutting that down. And as a result, you start to process emotions. You can have powerful, almost psychedelic like experiences. Yeah, yeah. And so what we found is we've created the onboarding to get people ready for these experiences through hot, cold, breathing. They start to prepare and realize that like, oh wow, you know what, this work is important. I'm changing, I'm, I'm experiencing emotions in a fun way, what's next? So that's one part that we're really interested in, is like how do we onboard the next 100 million people into psychedelic medicine interest? And so yeah. that's one part we're solving. And then the second part is what do people do when they come back from a transformational experience? And this is the one I'm most passionate about because I've just seen so many problems with it, and I see it in, in meditation retreats and Tony Robbins retreats and psychedelic retreats, you come back and you're, you're hanging out with the same people, same family, same pattern, same job. And then, you know, what do you do at night? It's like, oh, well, I'm gonna go out for dinner, I'm gonna go to this restaurant, I'm gonna drink alcohol. Mm -hmm. and so there wasn't really solutions of how, where the people Actually, who are, you know, yeah. In, yeah, exactly. But like, you wanna be with other people who are also interested in real behavioral change, which, you know, it just means transformation basically and you can't find them. And so there's no, no great community spaces socially uh, in a setting that like makes you feel inspired. And so I think by having those two things, the, the space for prep and learning, and then the space for you know integrating post experience where you're gonna be around people, you're gonna help an entire like massive communities of people grow together. And so if I said to you or people listening like, hey, you just did this retreat somewhere else, like wouldn't it be cool if you had another thousand people in your city that all cared about feeling better about like getting rid of, you know, negative emotions and processing them and just kind of growing and being excited about that in a way that was cool. Hey, people are like excited, you know, they yeah. feel, they feel amazing. So that, that's sort of the goal and how we, we're, we're not planning to offer psychedelic medicines or anything like that. We're just um, a, a space to prep and a space to integrate. Yeah. Robbie, this is my pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about Othership, what's the best way to get that information? It's at othership.us. Got it. So I had ship.us and we'll, we'll send you a, a link in there slash app and slash physical space. So you have uh, both the physical and uh, digital options. You can follow me on Twitter at RobbieBent1, where we build in public and talk about everything we're doing. And then uh, you can follow us on Instagram at othership.app for breathwork and othership.to for the physical spaces. Awesome. I'll make sure that all the links in the show notes and the um, uh, handles are in the show notes so people can get that. Highly encourage people to check it out. Ravi, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Bruce. Really appreciate your time, man. Thank you for listening to the Psychedelic Invest Podcast. If you liked this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and leave us a review. You can find more episodes on all the major podcasting platforms and our website at psychedelicinvest.com slash podcast. Mm -hmm.